said, you guys picked an amazing weekend to show up here because we are going to shorten our service this morning so that you can help us out. We have tons of gifts to wrap, and you are a generous church, and it's so cool to be able to, to hang out with you guys, wrap presents alongside you guys, and really be good neighbors to our community. So if you're one of those people who, like, as soon as service is over, you just beeline straight to your car, don't do that today, all right? We cut it short so that you can hang out and participate in this time of giving. Amen? So I get to kick off this series called Generous. Everybody say generous. 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 This is our Christmas series that we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. And I'm just really excited to kick this off because the title of today's message is A Generous Grace. Let me ask you guys, have you guys ever been surprised by someone else's generosity? Like, There's ever been a moment in your life where you just become overwhelmed because somebody thought of you, they saw a need and they filled it? Missy and I were talking about this, having a dialogue over this as I was preparing for this message, and we were counting all these times where people have came to our rescue. They came to times where we weren't expecting this, this, this wonderful gift or this wonderful gesture, this random act of kindness that came to our lives, and it really humbled us as we were counting all of our blessings that people did towards us. I was thinking of a time where um, uh, we were getting ready for camp. This was quite a few years ago, and we are getting ready to go to summer camp with our youth, and we were packing up, and we were getting ready to do this last load of laundry, and it was in that last load of laundry that our washer decided to quit on us. Oh, man. And here we are getting ready to go to camp, and Misty and I just looked at each other, and we kind of gave that look like, okay, we're just going to deal with it when we get back. So we go off to camp, and, and we have an amazing camp. It's, it's awesome, and, and, and we're heading back home, and all of a sudden thought to our minds like, oh, no, we got to we got to uh, deal with this broken washer. And at that time, we didn't really have a whole lot of extra cash laying around to buy a new washer, but we were just like, okay, we're just going to do laundromat. How many of you guys ever had to battle the laundromat? <laughs> it was quite a while since we've been to a laundromat, but we knew we were preparing ourselves, and we got home, we're exhausted, and we're bringing all of our bag, all of our dirty laundry. And if you've ever been to camp, you know that camp laundry has a different smell, <laughs> right? You kind of have to go like two, three times or through the wash cycle to get that stench out, right? That was our laundry. That was our dirty laundry. And so we're bringing it in, and, you know, we're thinking, okay, because we got to start getting quarters. So we're, like, scrounging around for quarters and trying to do that. And nowadays, it takes five pounds of quarters to wash your clothes at the laundromat. <laughs> Found that out. And, and so we're getting all that ready, and, and, um, and we go into the laundry room to grab all of our stuff, and we walk in, and there's a brand-new washer and a brand-new dryer yeah, yeah, to say the least, right? <laughs> there was these people that heard the need and loved us enough to come together and bless us with a brand new washer and dryer. It was amazing. We were overwhelmed. Till this day, I still don't know how they got in our house and hooked it all up and set it up. <laughs> but I didn't ask because it was such a generous gift. You know, this time of year, I, I, I've experienced a couple of times where I drive up to Starbucks, and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm like half asleep, and I'm ready to get my drink, and I turn to the window to get my drink, and the barista tells me with a smile on her face, hey, the person in front of you paid for your drink. How many experience that glorious thing, huh? That's amazing. If you do that, keep doing it, right? And I remember how that felt where I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Like, that's just something that lifts my spirits that day, and and what do you do when that happens to you? You kind of start thinking like, oh, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. I got a little insider information on Starbucks because of Misty. And she says, yeah, it's so cool. When that happens, she goes, sometimes it happens like eight or ten cars in a row. That's pretty cool. 
Because there's something about when somebody acts generous towards you that it's contagious, right? It's something that, that, that stirs you up in a way that nothing else can do, right? I love generous people. There's something about that. And I know in my life I get challenged in this way. I'm not naturally that generous person that I want to be. I mean, I hear these stories and I see generous people around me and I'm like, man, I want to do that. And I think what stops me is probably stuff that probably stops most of us at times. When we feel this inclination to be generous towards people and to give, we kind of think, man, if I had more, I'd probably do more. Like, I kind of think in my mind, man, if I, if I only won the lottery, man, and I'd have some extra, I would do all this stuff. I'd see a need and I automatically think of all this stuff and I start adding it up and I start to kind of talk myself out of it. And I start thinking about this tension in my own life, the tension that we all share, this thing that we battle at times like that, and I think that every one of us has, and there's a little seed of, of selfishness from our sinful nature, right? Selfishness. Can we talk about it for a moment? We kind of all have to battle it at times. It's this, it's this inclination to think inwardly instead of looking outwardly. It's the thing that we kind of battle in times where we feel this prompting from the Holy Spirit to be a little more generous with our time, a little more generous with with, with what we have, and, and we kind of hold on a little more tighter to those things because we say, well, what about me? What, what about all the things I need to do, all the things that I need? And it kinda, it's kind of a battle. There's a tension in a believer's life at times when we want to be generous, but then we get held back a little bit from that little seed of selfishness that creeps up. You know, it's, it's as old as time. I mean, you don't have to, you, I think we're all, we obviously are all born this way. How do I know this? It's because it doesn't take you long to, to see that selfish little spirit come out. You hang out with a two-year-old long enough, right? <laughs> and, and, and you try to pick up a toy that's just around them. It wouldn't take you long for a little two-year-old to run after you and say, that's mine, right? They don't even have to be playing with it, but, you know, they claim it if it's around them, right? And I thought about this, and I thought, man, I never had to teach my kids to be owners of stuff, but I did have to teach them how to share their stuff, and I did have to teach them how to be givers, so what that tells me is that generosity is something that we have to learn, and it's also something that we can grow into. But see, I want to tell you this morning that generosity is not about stuff. It's not about your things. I'm not asking you to give away more stuff and write bigger checks. That's not my intent, because that's not generosity. Generosity is more of a heart issue. It, 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 generosity is something that's from the inside out. It's an attitude that you have. And it's about you getting a heart for others. Having a heart for others, that's, that's really what I believe the generosity is, is that learning to love others as you love yourself. So when I struggle in this area, when I try to seek God and say, God, I want to be a generous person. I want that to be said of me. I want that to be known of me, is that I'm generous with my time, generous with my stuff. God, I open it freely. I want to be that. And I say, God, help me, because I have to have a heart for people and for those around me. And it doesn't take me long to find the source of that. Is actually a person, and his name is Jesus. Amen? And I started thinking about, about who, how do I become more generous? Where do I go? And I go straight to the source. I go to my generous Father in heaven. And I, and I seek him because, you know what? Generosity is in the heart and the mind of God. We see that very clearly in the gospel message. Amen? The gospel message. You guys all know this, right? There's, there's, there's a sentence in the Bible that is the crooks of the gospel. It's John 3.16. Come on, you know that, right? Let's look at it on the screen. That is, that is the essence of generosity. It's the essence of the gospel, and it says this. It says, for God, come on, say it with me, for God so that he 
that? Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave. You know, I boil it down to this. I boil it down to out of love he gave so that others may have. Out of love. He was motivated by his love, and it was through love that he was able to give his best. He was able to give his only begotten son so that you and I can have life out of love. So if I want to start to be more generous, then I think I have a love problem that I need to deal with. Am I truly loving God, and in, and in my love for God, am I letting that love be contagious upon my life and upon my soul so that I can now give love, so that I can give with a good motive, when I can give unconditionally so that others may have? That's the gospel. See, the gospel is a message of generosity because when I think about the gospel that transformed us, when I think about the gospel that you've received, it's a gospel that says that we didn't earn anything. It's a gospel that says that we um, didn't have to, didn't have to um, work towards something. It says that it was freely given to us through Christ. What did Christ have to suffer for us? What did God, what did, what did God give up for us so that we can have life with him? Man, when I think about the gospel, man, I see generosity all over it. When I think about the gospel, when I think about what that means, and that's the essence of the gospel is generosity. That the Bible says this in Romans 5.8. It says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, when we are away from God, when we were rebellious from God, we weren't doing anything for God. He loved us. Loved us in a way that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Isn't that amazing? That should stir our hearts with so much gratitude towards a loving and generous father that went out of his way, that stepped down from heaven to live this life, to suffer on a cross, to take on our sins and our shame and our iniquity upon his shoulders. And he laid I think about the, the physical uh, uh, things that he gave up for us to have life today. And it humbles me. It buckles my knees to prayer. So I say, God, you're so good. This new life that you've given me. Guys, we, I know life is hard, and we have ups and we have downs, and we have things that, that don't make sense that are not fair in our lives. But let me tell you, when we receive this new life from Jesus that he's given us through the cross and the resurrection, come on, that is a place to start your gratitude. That is a place to start thinking about the things that God has done. Because when I start there and I keep moving on, I start counting my blessings, and I realize that I am most blessed that I am rich in mercy. I have so much grace, and I experience a love that this world cannot offer. I'm so thankful. So if you want to be more generous, it starts with being motivated by the love of God, but in turn, we start to have gratitude towards that love, and it changes us. Friends, I want to tell you that if you want to unlock and be more generous, then you have to be more grateful for what you have and for what Jesus has done. What a great exchange he's done for us, right? His brokenness for my wholeness. His, my sins, I trade them in for his righteousness. His death for my new life. Amen. We have received so much to be grateful for. Just from that alone. That's our base. That's where we start. And there's so much more to be grateful for. These are amazing gifts. And because we receive this gift and we understand that God is a generous God who's given us good things, then now we can turn live this life that is generous among our people among our friends, among the people in our community. This morning, I want to close with a story 
what Jesus shared. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke. Probably a familiar story, Luke chapter 10. Probably a familiar story if you've been in church for a little while, you've heard this story. I'm praying that today you hear it with a fresh set of ears and, a, and an open heart. It's one that I really believe that unlocks the spirit of generosity that God wants us to live under. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says this, it says, On one occasion an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, the, the Bible does not use words um, loosely. When the Bible calls this man an expert of the law, what that really means is that he is an expert of the law, that he devoted his life to studying God's word, trying to understand it, and he was a teacher of that word. He spent lots of his time studying it and understanding the ways of God. And so he's coming to Jesus because at this point, Jesus' popularity is on the rise. Everybody's hearing this message that Jesus is bringing, and, and, and he's telling them things about the gospel, and he's, he's talking them with authority and with wisdom. So you have these experts that go like, whoa, I got to check this out for myself. And so this guy who felt like he had it all together, knew all the things of God, wanted to test Jesus in these things. And so he comes to Jesus and he asks them this question that I believe had a lot of debate in his world. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I love that Jesus receives this question and diffuses the situation by asking him a question. Jesus says this. He says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Oh, man, a guy was waiting for that, right? The guy was waiting. He's like, oh, I'm locked and loaded, ready to go, ready to have this debate, ready to have this argument. And he says this, and I can imagine his chest puffed up. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. I, I just want to give a little side note here on Jesus' conflict management. I think it's amazing. <laughs> because this was the same message that Jesus was preaching. Jesus preached, love God and love others. That was, that was what he was spreading. That's what he was talking about. He talked to his followers in this manner. This wasn't anything new. Jesus had this in common with this guy. And if you ever have somebody that, that you come across you come in conflict with, learn from Jesus. What did he do? He started with what they had in common, and then he started to have a dialogue and discussion after that on their differences. I think that's pretty brilliant. I love that about Jesus. That's just a little side note. But if the guy got a little furious over this answer, Jesus said, yeah, you agree. I can imagine this guy, he's like, he wanted to have that drop the mic moment, right? He's like, poof, yeah, I got it. Done. And Jesus said, do this and you will live. I think that bothered the guy when Jesus said, do this. I think that, that idea that this guy wasn't doing that or needed to do that bothered him. He probably thought, man, everything that I'm doing in my life, what I dedicated my life to was to love God. Everything, everybody knows that I love God, and that's why I do what I do. What do you mean, do this? He wanted Jesus to validate him and go like, no, this guy's killing it, everybody. Watch this guy. He's doing it right. Do this. Do what? It bothered him. So he spoke up. Bible says this, this is that but he wanted to justify himself so he asked Jesus and who is my neighbor who is my neighbor so Jesus begins to tell them the story to break it down 
And in this story, Jesus uses this group of people that this, in this culture, in this man's life, it was a group of people that they despised, the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a people of a mixed race that lived in their neighborhoods, but that they could not stand. They were, they were of a mixed background. They had a different background in them. They had a different re- religion in them. They had a different view of the world as them. And they were, they were just so different. They didn't worship like they worshiped. They didn't believe like they believed. They didn't live like they lived. And it bothered them every time they saw them. And they despised them. And so Jesus uses this group of people to share his story. Now, friends, before we start to judge the ugliness of their prejudice and, and, that, and what they were doing in that culture, as I was studying this for myself, I had to pause for a moment and I had to reflect in my own heart and I had to ask the Lord, who are the Samaritans in my life? Who are the ones that I struggle to be around because they are different than me? have a different background than me, believe a different thing, maybe have a little different political stance than me. You know, these people, they thought, man, nothing good can come out of Samaria. And I would never say that out loud, but I think there was some, there's some tension in my heart, and I'm like, Lord, help me. Help me, because I do have some Samaritans in my life, and I need your help. So I hope you're listening to that. And in this man's heart, he kind of had this yeah but moment you know yeah but who's my who's my neighbors who's my neighbors verse 30 jesus replied he says a man was going down to jerusalem to jericho when he was attacked by robbers they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and they went away leaving him half dead i love the way jesus opens up a story right something tells me that jesus and i would love the same movies right violent and action-packed <laughs> because he starts out with this like crazy scene here But in this culture, that wasn't shocking to them because they understood the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was an 18-mile stretch, but it started 250 feet above sea level, and it ended 800 feet below sea level. So you can imagine the terrain. And so these travelers that would have to go back and forth, they would get weary from the traveling so that robbers would come and take advantage of them. Historians say that this road was known as the Red Road because it was common to see blood on that road. I think there's some places in Tacoma that I would not want to go through at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? So to this culture, when they're hearing this story, that wasn't shocking or surprising to them. They're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Something bad happened. That's a bad road. They must have had a friend of a friend or a cousin of a friend who had some experience like that. You know how rumors are. So, so, the, so that wasn't the shocking part. But what he's about to say is the shocking part to this group. Verse 31, he says, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to that place, saw him pass on the other side. That was shocking to this group. They see a priest and a Levite, these, these men who devoted themselves to the ways of God and the things of God, that, loved, that, that everybody said, oh, they were well-respected as men who loved God. But in this time of need, they justified their action of walking away from that need. They had places to go, things to do. That was inconvenient. Yeah, but I don't have time. Yeah, but I don't have what that person needs. Yeah, but, and so they were able to justify why they wouldn't come down to help that man. That was shocking to these people. What? It didn't make sense to them. Guys, I just want to say that in our lives, when we see the hurting and broken among us, 
And I just, I just have to believe that if, that if the first thing we do is justify why we can't go help them because they deserve that, they shouldn't have been there, they shouldn't have done that, the minute that that's the first thing we go to, then I have to question, are we spending any time with Jesus? Because the Jesus that I read about, the gospel is about a God who came down for the hurting and for the broken. That's the God of the gospel. And if we are to be people with the gospel, we have to be people of the gospel. How else will the world know that there's a loving God in heaven that is full of grace and full of mercy if people don't see that among us? Wow. So when we act generously, when we, we are most like God, amen? When we are most like God, when we live a life of generosity. See, at this time, people, people heard Jesus' story. They were at attention. They were on pins and needles. They were wondering what was next. And about, they're going to go from shock to anger here. Jesus continues the story with this, verse 33. It says, but a Samaritan. Oh, my goodness. I could, I could just see the eyes rolling in the back of their heads when he says that word. As he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, take note of that, he took pity on him. You know, I was thinking about what this man's life would have been like in that society, being known and looked at as a second-class citizen. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about how he must have felt marginalized. He must have felt overlooked. He might have been abused. He might have needed help at one time, and yet nobody offered any help. I have to believe that's a little insight that I took on. And I was like, man, maybe that's why he had compassion towards this poor soul. You know, I want to tell you that this 30-something version of Omar today is a little slower to judge now. Because I realize that this world is not always black and white. There's so much gray. But aren't you glad that God can work through the gray? Aren't you glad that God can work out the gray? You know what that's called? That's called grace. That's called grace. Now I just respond. I stop judging. I stop thinking and overthinking why this situation happened. I was like, you know what? This person needs something. I'm going to be there for them. That's grace. And what I love is that Jesus, now he gets their attention. There might have been... There might have been people that are angry at this story at this moment. There might be people that are cursing under their breath. There might be people that are, that, are, that are angry, ready to leave. There might be people just in awe of his wisdom and his authority. Maybe kind of like this room today. And then Jesus starts to paint this beautiful picture of grace through the life of the Samaritan. Let's continue to read. Verse 34, it says, And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine. When he put the man on his own donkey, he brought him into the inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. He said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for all the expenses that you may have. That's beautiful what this man gives up, what this man gives. See, generosity isn't about giving your excess. It's not about giving your scraps. It's not about giving your extra. It's about giving sacrificially. And you see that in this Samaritan's life. What did he give up? Let's look at it. He gave up his best. The Bible says that he gave up his oil and his wine to bring healing to this man. You know, that wasn't expensive, guys. I mean, that was expensive. That wasn't cheap. That might have been some of the most expensive items that he was carrying on this travel. Yet he chose to give it up so that this guy can receive healing. Oil and wine. What else did he give up? He gave up his comfort. The Bible says that he gave up his seat on the donkey. That was a comfortable seat for this long, treacherous road. 
but yet he chose to give it to this man who was broken and unable to do it himself. So he gave him that first-class seat. So he gave up his comfort. What else did he give up? He gave up time and sleep. The story says that he stayed up all night taking care of this man's needs. He had places to go, things to do. He was a busy man, but yet he slowed his life down to help this man in need. Spent all night taking care of his wounds. This stranger, this person that probably despised him, yet he showed great love. Man, I see Jesus so much in the Samaritan. Do you? Isn't that awesome? And I would say that, man, giving up the oil and wine, giving up his seat, taking him to an inn, taking care of him all night, that's pretty good. That's, that's a pretty amazing, that's a pretty, pretty good deed there. But you want to see what generosity really is? It says that afterwards, he gave more. He gave two days' wages for this man to be taken care of. And then when he walked out the door, he said, you know what? Put it on my tab. Whatever this guy needs, whatever this, whatever's going to take care of this guy, put it on me. That's generosity. Generosity is not just meeting a need, but it's going above and beyond. That's the heart and the spirit of generosity. And so here Jesus tells the story. He's got them on pins and needles. He's touching their hearts. They're receiving what he's saying. And he's looking at this crowd. He's looking at this man that came up to him, this expert of the law. And he asks him this question. He turns to him and he says this. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? I love that Jesus flips the question. The man came up to him and said, hey, who's my neighbors? And Jesus said, you know what? It's not about that. That's not the question. The question is, who are you being a neighbor to? And that was the breakthrough moment in this man's heart. You know what the breakthrough moments in life are? The breakthrough moments in life is when we come to the realization of what our own heart condition is. And this guy all of a sudden who was prideful and felt like he knew everything and that he had all the answers, all of a sudden at that moment he realized that he was on the side that was spiritually bankrupt and that he needed mercy. Listen to what he says. And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. I can imagine Jesus with a big smile on his face, and he says, go and do likewise. You got it. I believe that in that moment, that man received the gospel because he was ready to. He understood what this was all about. I want to leave you guys with one last thought in regards to generosity that I picked up from this story and that I want to choose to live by. When it comes to generosity... Don't sit and wait for an opportunity. You need to live and look for an opportunity to help those around you. You hear what I'm saying? Don't sit and wait. Don't just sit and wait, but live your life. And as you open your eyes, you will see needs. You will see ways that God is going to prompt your heart to live a generous life among people so they can in turn see a generous God that's in heaven. That's the life we ought to live. That's the life we ought to live. It's in response to the gospel with a heart full of gratitude, and this becomes an act of worship with no strings attached, not waiting to, to, to see what happens or the pats on the back, but it's, it's to say, Jesus, this is, this is my way of just responding in worship to you. See, when you spend time with Jesus, if you spend time, generosity will grow in you because you start to see the world like he sees it. you guys standing for a moment here as we close and we're going to get ready to respond and worship this morning before we go out there and start wrapping these gifts 
and kick off this Christmas season here, I want us to worship Jesus. That show a heart of gratitude and how that generosity is going to ooze out of us. But I want to leave you with this. Jesus takes his followers and he gives them a glimpse of the future. He gives them a glimpse of the future when he comes again to receive his people. In Matthew 25, 31, Jesus describes it this way, his second coming. He says, when he finally arrives, blazing in the beauty of all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Come on, the first Christmas, he was a baby in a manger, an old silent night. But he says the second coming, the second time he comes, he's coming with blazing glory, with an army of angels surrounding him, sitting on a glorious throne, ready to receive his people who are faithful to the end. Jesus comes along and he starts to describe what will happen. You know the first thing Jesus says to his people? He says, thank you. He says, thank you. Thank you for living a generous life. This is what he says. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was homeless, you gave me a room to stay in. When I was shivering, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. And and, and when I was in prison, you came to me. Our Jesus, the one that we have to be showing gratitude towards him and say, thank you for what you've done. He in turns to his people and he welcomes them into his kingdom with a big thank you. Thank you for being generous with your lives. What I love what happens next is that these people, they respond to Jesus and they're like, what? What? You know what I love about a generous person is oftentimes they don't see themselves as a generous person. They just are being who they are. That's the beauty of it. That's what Jesus loves. And he recognizes that in these people, in us. And they say, when did that happen? Because generous people, they live their generosity because they, are, they have gratitude, they have love, and they have compassion. That's all they need. And Jesus says this, and I want to leave you with this. Please put it up on the screen because I want this to be something that you read on your heart. Keep with you. Jesus says this. He says, whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Man, where do we go from here? I want to worship Jesus with you. I want us to get our hearts right and say, you know what? God, I want to be like you. But I need to start there where I just get back to that place where I just, everything that I do comes out of worship for what you've done for me. So I ask the worship team as we're getting ready to leave and go out and have some fun wrapping gifts. I want us to just take a few minutes. Can we just worship? Can we not worry about the person next to us or whatever? Like this would be your moment with God where you can get personal with Jesus himself. Say thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Will you join me? And all I-